Education.org, TESOL Podcast, Episode 2. Hey everybody, welcome back to uh, Episode 2. We have survived. This is Scott and... Scott. Talk. Oh been a long week, but we are weathering through to bring you the best ESL information possible. Or at least whatever we find. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, topic today. Today we are going to be talking about... Daily life of an ESL teacher. Yep. And inside and outside of the classroom. Yep, and primarily focusing in country, so uh, we're talking mostly about... Um, uh, how things shake down uh, here in Japan and uh, possibly a bit in Korea as well since uh, Scott had been there for a year or so, a year or more, or a bunch of time. Uh, um, a stint. So, <laughs> all right, uh, so that brings us to, now that the music's gone, uh, that brings us to uh, daily life. Uh, so let's start with the, uh, the big stuff, school. We're going to break this down, yeah, to inside of school and outside of school. We're going to do two paths, one for institute teachers, NOVA, um, Hagwon teachers in Korea, if you're familiar with that term, just language institute. And then we're going to talk about university uh, teachers as well, Yeah, yeah. So since we know a little about that. Yeah, based on our experience. And so, of course, as always, your mileage will vary, and you, you, this will fluctuate to a certain extent, particularly outside after-school activities, uh, will uh, fluctuate a little bit depending on where you are. So we're in a fairly decent-sized metropolitan area. If you're in Tokyo, you're going to get some other options. If you're out in the middle of the sticks, uh, you're going to be doing different sorts of things, than <laughs> what about, with the possible exception of drinking. <laughs> Anyway, let's uh, let's start within school. So, uh, what what do the institute teachers? What kind of stuff are they going to come across? They're they're fairly lucky. Uh, most inst institutes I can't talk today. Sorry, folks. Uh, most institute teachers have books that they use, and they're not really required to supplement outside of them. Um, depending on how good, and there are some good books out there. Um, on how good your book is, classroom planning isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to spend that much time, uh, especially once you've been doing it for two or three months. It's pretty much, you can walk into the classroom, open the book, and take it from there. Yeah, particularly um, the institutes generally don't change their books all that often. So once you get into wherever it is that you're going to be, you're going to be using that book for pretty probably the rest of your tenure there. And so once you've gone through it once, you figure out where the sticky points are and you know you start uh, talking to your colleagues and what did you asking them, so what did you do for this exercise? Did you have any activities that worked? Did you have any activities that didn't work? All that good stuff. So I'd say classroom planning planning and management may be possibly uh, you need an hour at the most per class. Mm -hmm. Inside school, when I was at the institutes in Korea, they didn't really give you that much time to plan uh, inside. 
I was doing at the height nine hours a day and so it's just going from one class to the next and sometimes opening the book depending if you had high levels maybe uh, browsing the newspapers and pulling articles to discuss in there things like that most institutes also have a small library right. of resource material to pull from uh, games and whatnot so that's mainly it for institute I yeah. mean it was fairly easy the institute stuff uh, in my experience was uh, primarily just figuring out what was going to be coming up next in the, in the sequence you know um, where I was we ran on a two-month cycle you were with the same class for two months and then uh, everybody either went up or went down or stayed the same they stayed the same your teachers a lot of the teachers that I was with asked for a different level every time uh, I never understood that because I thought well why should I go teach a different level if I can do the same thing I did last semester and do zero prep because I did it all last semester uh, I don't know any ideas on any opinion? No I mean that that makes sense to me and that's we're always trying to get the same classes this year from last year yeah. just so that's one less headache to go through um, it also varies on how many teachers are at your institute if you have a large staff and when I say large maybe eight to ten you have enough teachers on the same levels that if the student does stay in the same level they usually switch teachers right. to experience further dancing monkeys <laughs> so to speak yes and that way you can still use the same materials because you mostly have the same uh, different students even if you're in the same level yep yep um, things you other things for uh, inside school if you're doing um, business classes that you've been farmed out to from the Institute then the travel time and that will eat up anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour and a half one way you paid for that usually no 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 so it's just based on hours and exactly just, your payment is not having to deal with the boss or the people in the room right between back and forth that, that can be worth it sometimes um, <clears throat> the other group that actually uh, I was thinking of probably should address a little bit are the uh, the jet or the is it epic epic yes in Korea, epic. that's what we said um, these guys have a slightly different deal um, it depends on it's a little bit like the Institute teacher in that you're going to be in the classroom a fair number of hours a week um, but you're also going to be team teaching you're not going to be up there by yourself ever and uh, so what these guys are, need to do is get in touch with um, whoever the homeroom teacher is going to be whoever they're going to be team teaching with and for by all means talk to them about what you're going to do what is the plan for the next class because the the as far as my experience goes the Japanese teacher will will get into class you'll sit down at the front of the room he will look at you and say what are we doing today and uh, you have to come up with something really fast <laughs> and uh, as a beginning teacher that can be really really stressful and difficult to figure out with the other opposite end of that is they never acknowledge you 
until they decide they need a tape recorder. And then it's uh, Scott Sensei, will you please read passage one? Thank you very much. Okay, now students, you read it. Now, oh wait, let's listen to him read it again and back and forth like that. And uh, this also is not terribly fulfilling as, no. a, as an instructor. But um, talking about inside school life, for the Institute, and I would assume for Epic and Jet, there's not really any office hours. Right. There's not much time to entertain, and when I say entertain, just um, talking to the students. You have between classes, but that's it. You might have an hour off, but the students won't. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have free time to come talk to you. Um, right. At an institute, maybe that's a little different because they might just be taking an hour a night or an hour a week. And so if you have free time and they do, you might, your institute might have a little lounge area for you for to you talk. To and they that. definitely, the owners will definitely want you to talk because that makes happy customers and has happy customers come back month after month. Yep, and buy more time. Yep. Um, the other thing is uh, make sure, back to the, the JET folks, um, if you are a person who has no teaching experience, uh, you're definitely going to want to spend lots of time with, the, with whoever, whoever it is you're going to be team teaching with, as much as you can stand. Um, because you need to figure out how they think, you need to figure out what questions they're going to throw at you. Um, one time in the classroom, I was sitting there, it was uh, spring or fall, I can't remember, but, you know, getting cooler, getting warmer time of year, and he looks at me and says, we were talking about numbers, and he's like, okay, so, uh, Scott, why are, why is Friday the 13th unlucky? completely out of the blue, nowhere, no prep, never talked about it before. And so uh, I made something up. And fortunately, I looked it up later. And I'm like, oh, I was right. <laughs> Whereas I've done the same thing and looked it up. It's like, oh, I'll have to uh, post, a, post a retraction the next retraction. day. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, always when you're, when you're in the JET program or in the EPIC program, my guess is uh, be light on your feet. Uh, be ready for absolutely, absolutely anything to happen in the classroom. Uh, don't let it stress you out. Go with the flow. Do your best. And uh, you can always try to fix it. Fix whatever damage there was the next class. Exactly. Yep. Kind of. Not all that far from what we do. Because <laughs> uh, So that will bring us to the university level or whether it's part-time or full-time. Um, what do you do? Oh, uh, a plethora of things. You have your class time, and then you have your out-of-class time. Now, we mentioned this last podcast, but most of us are teaching 15 contact hours. Now, we are required to complete three, about three hours of office hours every single week, right. where you need to be in your office waiting for your students, who most likely never show unless you're an idiot like me and uh, require it. Require it. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's not idiot. That's good teaching. Oh, yes. Yes. That's, that's what I meant to say. One-on-one -on -one time. Now, I lost my train of thought. Office hours. Office hours. 
it's it's they're pretty easy, and you're going to be in your office anyway, uh, completing grading, um, classroom preparation for the next uh, day's work or the next <laughs> hours work, yeah. depending on how organized you are or are not. Now, it also depends on what university, what you're teaching, uh, will all affect how much time you need for planning. For example, when I was teaching in Korea, a lot of it, unfortunately, was like institute work. We had a book, it was more conversation, they call it four skills now, but if you're not really teaching a structured writing class, you can't expect structured writing from the students. Right. And you're not given, not allotted enough time to really delve into the fundamentals of writing. Right, right. So it was for the most part conversation. And with them wanting to use this book, which the students were all required, you felt obligated to use it, no matter how good or bad it was. Right. Because the students will definitely complain if you're not using the book that they had to buy. Right, right. Some of them are rather pricey, some of them aren't, but still. So I did not have that much time, or I did not need that much time to plan for those classes. Whereas at the university here, we're doing English for academic purposes. Um, you may or may not have a book. Yeah, I, go ahead. No, I, personally, I don't like to tie myself down to a book. Um, I haven't used a book here, an actual classroom book that that I require the students to buy. Uh, I haven't used one for the last two years, two and a half years. Um, I get different sorts of responses from that. Some students like it, some students don't. Most of them like it because they don't have to. They can save their money and buy beer, or lunch, or whatever. Um, other students don't like it because they want a more traditional style of education. They want to do exercises, they want to do this, they want to do that. And uh, I do more discovery learning style uh, projects and, and work. So um, it's mostly the students who are leading the class with uh, under my guidance, under my leadership. And so um, there are advantages, disadvantages of uh, book learning as it were. And you will never find a book that you are completely 100% uh, fond of. Now, when I was teaching in Morocco, we did have books for the writing, books for the reading, and books for the listening. Um, but the organization, the department that I was in, gave you leeway. You had to cover the material. How you covered it was up to you. Mm. And so I did supplement. Okay. And that will take more time. What did you do with for supplements? Was it worksheets or newspaper articles? What? For the writing, I luckily I have my own large library that I've collected um, over the years. And so just pulling from different sources. Mm -hmm. um, it also depends on, and I should probably whisper it this, because how much you're allowed to copy. Oh, right, right. And we're not going to delve into copyright laws because... Not yet, but I want to do that later. Okay. But, it, yeah, your, how much your university uh, wants you to copy. When I was in Indonesia, the students had to pay for all their copies, and you had to prepare the prints uh, way in advance, and it was just a hassle. 
Uh, whereas here we have numerous machines that we can do however many we need to uh, when we prepare our, our own materials and such. But I supplemented a lot. I mean, the books that I used were good, but they didn't have everything I wanted. Mm -hmm. When I came to Kantagaidai, I went the route of not having any books because I thought I supplemented so many, uh, so much anyway. But you find yourself making a lot of copies and spending a lot of time copying. Yeah. Now, if you're really organized, you can, we, in theory, can give our copies to uh, the office and they will do it, but they require around a week advance. In Morocco, we had a place that would do it, and they required just 24 hours, which oh. wasn't so bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. And so that will save a lot of time. But here, I make all my own copies, so if I have a large amount of copies to make, then I need to budget in an hour mm -hmm. doing that sometime during the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it all depends on whether you use books, whether you don't use books, for how much uh, planning. Right, right. What, uh, what, are you, what, if any, guidance are you given as far as topics go? Uh, what do you mean? Um, what's your class going to be about? So we know that, that you have to do writing. We know that you have to do speaking or listening or reading. What, anything outside of that? Do they say you should teach a class on uh, intercultural communication, you should teach a class on how to build a desk, you should what, 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 what. No, they, they really have uh, nothing like that. They give us objectives here. Mm -hmm. And we have to fulfill those objectives. Students will have to, uh, by the end of the year, they will be able to give a clear presentation. Uh, they will be able to listen to a native speaker lecture and take appropriate notes which will be, then be used um, to complete a writing assignment. Mm -hmm. Things to that extent. Mm -hmm. So how, again, how you reach those objectives is totally up to your prerogative. Okay. okay. What kind of topics have you taught since you've been here? Using uh, certain books, and I have switched this year to books um, that are, they're basically content focused. Each unit is a different content. One might be uh, justice in the criminal system. Another might be uh, just family life in general. So pulling articles that relate to those topics. Um, for me, I created the, the book that I'm using for, for example, the justice system is primarily reading writing. Now, my class is reading writing, but if you don't have a speaking listening component in there, mm -hmm. the students are going to be bored off of their tiny. So I got Judge Judy and things like that. So I had a video component, and I made up questions to that. Mm -hmm. And I edited, edited down the uh, show to just the segment that I wanted. Okay. And so all of that planning does take time extra. But, and this goes back to what we said at the very front of the podcast, once you've made that unit, unless you're an idiot and just throw it away, you can use it the next year. Or if your school is on a semester, semester system, use it the following semester. Right. So it's good to go. You might have to 
retailer it to a different level mm -hmm. of students, but the majority of that lesson is still appropriate. Boxed and ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that I can't uh, stress enough is reuse, reuse, reuse. Reuse, reduce, recycle. Reuse the stuff you have, reduce the amount of time you spend uh, preparing for either the next semester or the next year and recycle stuff that worked. And uh, a lot of people I see reinventing the wheel every year and man, I just don't understand why they want to work that hard. And you might have to uh, tweak it mm -hmm. some, use the stuff that works, but use the stuff that doesn't work, just fix, fix what and, and you know what didn't work. I have three classes that are the same prep and I kind of feel sorry for the first class because I always find out what is working, what doesn't. I tweak it for the second class. It's pretty good. That third class is just golden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there was an issue with that uh, when I was out the other day. Somebody had given advice saying, well, you know, it's not really fair to the first class um, because they don't get the perfect version of, you know, what it is you're teaching. And my, my gut initial response was, well, that's life. Sometimes you don't get, you know, the golden version. But because as you practice something, you don't, you know, then you find out what works, what doesn't, and you get better at it. Um, I used to feel really bad for that first class, but at the same time, they got a slightly different lesson, and I can't, I can't say it's necessarily a worse lesson. It's not as smooth as the third lesson. But it's not, I don't feel it's necessarily a worse class. No, no. Yeah. But you have a lot of, you have the big concepts and the little concepts. And I mean, by that third class, the jokes were down. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not doing a total laugh riot comedy routine. But things that will lighten the atmosphere, that will make the students enjoy the learning experience more, um, as well as how far you can push them, how much material you can cover and you can't cover things to that extent. Yeah, that's the one thing that I usually see people doing and end up having to cut back with. It's like they, they have, you know, a, a whole bookshelf full of stuff that they're, oh, we can get through all of this this year. And then halfway through the semester, they're like, we're not going to cover a quarter of the stuff that I wanted to do. And, as, you know, you just need to be prepared for that as a teacher. You're not going to get everything you want because either the students will be better or generally can't quite keep up with as fast as you want to go. Exactly. Um, just a final thing about the, the planning. Uh, the last, the few, last few uh, universities, I could put in maybe three or four, five hours outside of my office hours and have that done. Uh, here at Kansai Gaidai, I am putting in basically ooh, 40, 50 hour weeks. Yeah. Standard. I, I usually come in one day during the weekend to catch up, wow. uh, things like that. But again, being the idiot that I am, I am doing, I have a speaking listening class and I've turned it into a film production class. Hmm. And I've never done this, uh, taught this before. And so I'm learning as I'm going. So. I'm throwing a lot of my energy into that, and so I have to use the weekends to just catch up on the menial task of grading and things like that. Because a lot of the teachers will do that at home at night. Come six o'clock, I go home to my wife and my two-year-old who don't really understand if 
I want to spend the rest of the night grading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, two-year-olds two year don't, don't get the grading thing. No, not really. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, I'd also like to address real quick that we didn't actually put in our notes is um, at university, there we have the full-timers like us who don't have to go traveling across uh, hell and half of Jericho trying to find our next school. But there are also part-timers here who teach a couple of classes here and a couple of classes at other other universities. And so they have a really nice advantage because they, in theory, could teach the same class at four universities and have one prep for their whole thing. And not be required any office hours yep. or outside FaceTime. Yep. Yep. So uh, some of the... <laughs> Some of the part-timers here are show up, teach the class, talk to the kids for 10 minutes afterwards, perhaps, and then off to the next uh, assignment. So, um, you know, your mileage, like I said, your mileage is going to vary a little bit as far as uh, office hours. Now, um, I do highly recommend get to know your students uh, because there are some interesting people out there. And the bottom line is your dedication to the job. Yeah. The more you're dedicated, the more you're going to put into it. Yep. The less you're dedicated, if this is just to fund the next travel experience, then you're going to have a lot of free time outside because you're not going to really care and want to put in the time. Yep. yep. All right, which uh, brings us to after school activities. Woohoo! Party yeah. time. Yeah, but in many cases. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to divvy this up again uh, for Institute and jet teachers uh, or high school teachers high school middle school and then university yeah or part-time yeah so um, like we were let's start with the Institute people um, we uh, like we said they don't really have a that much as far as prep goes so once they it's kinda like a regular job where once the bell rings you're off the clock you're done you go home you totally forget about it and that's it. Yeah? Basically. Yeah, basically. When I was at the Institute, we had about 10 teachers. And once that bell rang, and now when you're at the Institute, that bell won't stop until 9 or 10 p.m. Right. But it's such a stressful day that you get a group of the teachers, you go out drinking. Yeah. Drinking is a big part of Institute life. Yes. Yes, and uh, that goes for the jets too, depending on whether or not you're within uh, earshot of the next the next jet. Um, probably, I would <coughs> excuse me. I would assume that it's the same with the epic folks. Um, you're going to be usually the institute teachers and the jet people are new to the country. Not always, but by and large, and so they're going to be the you know tw young twenty somethings who are, you know, fresh out of college, um, look into, you know, have a good time, learn about the culture, stuff like that. Definitely. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but a lot of their time and money will be spent in the bar and uh, hanging out with other folks who are in the same experience who are a lot of times dealing with culture shock and trying to figure out what, what did they say to me and why do I feel so upset and, and why three weeks ago did I love this and now I hate it. And so uh, it, that social network is kind of important, particularly for that level. All right. But also, um, they will be drinking with their colleagues and uh, people from 
other foreigners that they, they meet along the way. But one thing that the institutes, uh, they might not necessarily push it. Our, my institute definitely pushed it, was you have this open atmosphere to mingle uh, with the students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are definitely all for um, fraternizing with your students. Now, don't, if, if you're new to teaching or you are thinking about teaching but you haven't, Institute life is not university. You're not giving them grades. They're, you, you don't have anything to hold over their heads. Right. So I find nothing wrong with uh, dating your students or going out and drinking. And that is one of the best ways to learn about the culture because you'll learn things from them that you would never read in a book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both negative and positive. <clears throat> yeah, I, I got I to kind of agree and kind of disagree. With the institute type stuff, as far as, uh, as, far as dating the students and that, um, there are really two camps on it. And let's just set those out first. First is you absolutely do not, doesn't matter, don't, you know, run away. And the other is eh, no big deal, don't worry about it. Um, I'm kind of in the middle, but there are times for both sides. Um, no, you're not giving the institute kids a grade, um, but and uh, some of the schools here in Japan kind of have a reputation. If you go dating all of the students, um, it creates a difficult atmosphere for a smaller school. Uh, it creates a difficult atmosphere because if you've dated one student and then you move on to the next one and then you move on to the next one, um, those other two are going to leave. Sure. And the owner of the school is going to be like, nah, I'm losing money now. So you don't touch. That's, those are mine. <laughs> and uh, so while I do highly recommend making friends with the students, uh, I would say in general, probably going to increase your, decrease your stress level if you don't date your students, uh, even, even with the institute. I, I mean, granted, just, just, I mean, that's just me. Granted, but let's say you are working at an institute in a podunk little city. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have many foreigners to hang out with, and so your students are going to be the only people that you really meet and that you know can speak uh, English, English to, yeah. to some extent. And a lot, in a lot of cases, that's going to be your social circle in general. Exactly. Um, but it also promotes a lot of institute teachers uh, will spend that first year learning the language yep. um, to meet outside people not just their students absolutely absolutely and but you know like I said you know socialize if you have the opportunity get out and socialize go out and have a few drinks make friends you know go out and you know somebody invites you to go camping hey go <clears throat> go camping go do some uh, sort of cultural experience you know whether here in Japan it's just we just passed uh, rice planting season um, if you haven't if you haven't planted rice in a field <laughs> you should really do it once and then you'll probably turn that invitation down for the rest of your time, <laughs> but um, it's not the most exciting thing. Right. Yeah. So if, if you are going to date the students, don't be a dog about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, please just date your adult students. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not the kindergarten ones. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought that went without saying. But, <laughs> but Next topic. The, with the way, now, with the way things are going these days, it, it, it deserves to be said. So. Um, yeah, which is, uh, okay, there's no good segue out of there. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so hobbies. 
uh, get one. Um, doesn't matter what you like. Choose something to like. Um, whether preferably, I mean, you're in the foreign country, so learn. Take you know, take six months and learn something about some sort of traditional culture, whether it's martial arts, uh, tang sudo, or um, karate, karate, or or shotokan, whatever. Get out, do something. Preferably, if you can do something active, even better. Um, we had a guy here who was a big bicycle rider. He'd get out and and he saw areas in this. Uh, parts of this area that I'd never see and probably will never see because uh, he was out on his bike for a couple hours a day. Uh, if you want to learn calligraphy, great, learn calligraphy. Get a hobby, find something interesting that you'll be able to talk to other people about. Not only will that meet uh, open new doorways for you, but that will give <laughs> whoever, uh, whatever nationality, native speaker, a whole new respect for you. And it will alleviate the whole dating your student thing because yep. you will have a, a whole different set of friends. Yep, yep. And if you choose something that, that little old ladies or housewives like to do, they will introduce you to their, to their daughters or granddaughters or single friends or whatever. There's lots of opportunities, assuming whatever. Male or female, whatever. Anyway, yes. they will try to hook you up, <laughs> um, and you know, get you get you married off or dating or whatever, because it's fun for them. But it will also, you'll meet the people in that group or in that club, and they will definitely invite you into their homes. Maybe not uh, for for whatever reasons, and you will experience whole different sides of of yeah. Japanese or Korean or whatever Wherever culture's life. That's definitely a good idea. Yeah, the other the other thing with hobbies is um, uh, in Kobe down the street. There's a an outdoor athletic club, and it's not a traditional hobby by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, getting out there and doing the canoeing or whatever. Uh, this group is about half and half Japanese and foreigners, so it's a kind of a nice mix. Um, it lets you make connections with other foreigners in the area, some, most of whom will have been here longer than you, and some will be new. So the ones who've been there longer can share their information with you. Meanwhile, you can turn around and share your information with uh, people who haven't been here as long as you, and, and you can get a nice social network that way, too. And how could they find out about these different organizations? The Internet is a wonderful tool. So uh, what I would do is check out do a Google search for where, wherever you're at. And start there. Or if you're close to a large metropolitan area, they usually have uh, one or two foreign rags. Uh, we have the Kansai timeout here, yep. which post just meetings and events that are for foreigners, for mixed, um, mm -hmm. just whatever is going on in the region, festivals, things to that extent. Yeah, yep. yeah. one of the best things to do and this goes for whether you're university, you're working at a university, you're working at an institute, you're working for the high school, doesn't matter. Get a hobby, find something you're interested in um, other than complaining about where you are. Um, and go out and do it. Get out and if, if you're not sure what you like, uh, try stuff. You know, go to basket weaving class and if you like it, great, you can make baskets. If you don't like it, well then quit and do something <laughs> else. Um, but what I, I've seen, I've seen it happen a couple of times where people will come 
and they'll be like, I hate this place. It sucks. There's nothing to do all the time. And I'm like, well, what did you do last weekend? Oh, I stayed home. Why did you stay home? There's nothing to do. I'm like, well, if you leave the apartment, you might find something to do and be happier. Good advice. End of rant. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the other thing you can do is, uh, for in most cases, sometimes institutes forbid this, uh, but private lessons. Sometimes the country forbids this legally. Yeah, yeah, in Korea, if you are sponsored by, um, or at least this was a few years ago, if you're sponsored by a company, uh, usually in your contract, it forbids mm. private lessons. Yeah, yeah, in the contract, and so... But that also goes, I mean, when I was in Korea the initial time, and I was doing quite a lot of private lessons, they would have government crackdowns. Oh, really? And so I was always just doing spy maneuvers of... Two steps ahead of the Fed. Exactly. Changing my paths to the houses and things, <laughs> stupid things like that. Um, <laughs> but he's not paranoid. No, no, no. no. Government was out to get him. Always. Out of the country. Exactly. Um, but you know, even with the, with the Institute stuff, uh, it's not necessarily just when you're in the foreign countries. Because when I was in San Francisco, the school that I worked for there also forbade private lessons because for some reason they thought, oh, well, if I steal, if I get enough of these private lessons, I don't have to teach at school anymore. I can live off the, the $10 an hour that I'm going to get from my students. Uh, it's hard <laughs> to make a living off of private lessons because, because in the U.S. you can't issue a visa. And half of the students were there so that they were at the institute because the institute could issue a visa and they could stay for as long as they wanted rather right. than just a tourist deal. Whereas once you're in country, uh, especially Korea, once you've been there for three to six months, you start picking up private lessons, it's easy to pick up more because they will have friends and then their friends will have friends. And so I, I capped my private lessons at 10 hours per week just because I didn't want to spend that much more time doing it. Yeah. Did you do single one-on-ones or did you do groups? It was mostly one-on-ones or one-on-twos. Mm -hmm. um, and you can be smart about it. Um, the last year that I was there, I would require them to do two-hour sessions. There you go. Uh, and, of course, you get paid by the hour. And that's they can only cancel once or twice a month at mm -hmm. the most. Because you would have these, oh, I'm, I can't do it this week. Well, right. then you don't get paid that week. Right. But that time slot is still uh, is Somebody taken. Else come in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I when I did when I did it, I kind of worked it like the dentist. Dentist required me to cancel at least uh, 24 hours ahead of time. If I didn't, I started paying. And so you know, same thing with uh, it's not a bad rule of thumb to go with with uh, for private lessons for languages. But when I was teaching at the high school, I would finish at 3.20 every afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so I had tons of time in the evening, if I wanted, to devote to private lessons. And I was living in an apartment hell. I had probably 100 apartments in my complex. Oh, wow. And wow. so, I mean, it was just easy pickings. Yeah. So, uh, so get a hobby for after school advice. And really, these pretty much go for everybody. Exactly. Um, Get a hobby, find something to do, spend your time, make a podcast. <laughs> uh, but not an ESL that's one, great. please. Yeah, because we're doing that.
Um, and we're doing it well. Oh, damn straight. Okay, anyway. Uh, private do some private lessons. Um, be careful. I, I, you know, honestly, anymore, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, you want to do private lessons, I'd be like, hey, no, I don't. Um, I, I, it's not worth my time. I'm making enough money now. I don't need the extra maybe 100 bucks. It's a, I'd rather sit at home and watch TV. Yeah. Or I'd rather, you know, go out and hit a bar. Which brings us to the other thing, drinking. Uh, if you have a drinking problem, probably don't want to go overseas and do this job. No, definitely not. Um, if you are susceptible to drinking problems, don't go to the bar. Because you will develop that into a full-blown drinking problem. Well, I can't say you will. There's a good chance. It's easy to. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody else is doing it and... Um, it's it's can be difficult to stop, and in small small areas, the bar is the only thing that there is to yep. do. Yep. And so it's easy to spend a lot of your salary on it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can you can either save a bunch of money or you can give a bunch of money to the local bar, uh, both of which have their benefits. I exactly. Mean, not saying don't go drink um, unless you're underage in that country, in which case don't go drink. Um, but you know. Getting out to the bar, you can meet a lot of different people that way, good and bad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you're in a big city, if you're in a metropolis like we are, stuck between Kyoto and Osaka, you hit the clubs, you can uh, go out. And, there's no real comedy clubs or anything around here. I hear there's one in Tokyo, but it's not worth the trip. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, you know, but you can go hit the dance clubs, the big places you're going to get, you know, even famous DJs or whatever, I guess. Uh, occasionally a big band will pull through. Uh, if you're in Tokyo, there are so many things to do we can't even touch on it. And actually Osaka, between Osaka and Kyoto, there's uh, find something that you're interested in doing that deals with uh, bowling or darts or drinking or dancing or whatever. There's a place. Right. So basically, I mean, the outside of school is both, uh, is the same for both the institute and the university except in the fact that socializing with your students uh, as a university professor is really... Uh, don't do it. A no, no. I don't know. I was just talking with a colleague about this, and I don't know if there's an official policy at this university, a written rule. Uh, um, <clears throat> yes, there, there is sort of. It's, uh, it's, it's you can be, go out and be sociable, Mm -hmm. But uh, it's all right. Go out and be sociable, but uh, you know, you know where the line is, sort of a thing. They don't tell you exactly where the line is, but it's fairly, you know, don't cross this. And um, and honestly, just to be on the safe side, you don't ever want to be accused of a sexual harassment. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where somebody could say there was sexual harassment. The 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 advance was unwanted, I was too drunk. You don't ever want to put yourself in that situation right. because this is a peach job. And if you screw it up by doing something stupid, you can go ahead and kick yourself in the butt from that day till the day you die. Right. You know. And so, I mean, most of the full-timers that I know, uh, they actually have little desire uh, to, to go drinking with their students anymore. Yeah. Uh, part-timers on the other hand? Part-timers on the you know, it's a part-time 
But I mean, and I'm not saying part-timers bad, full-timers good, because right, right. I know some full-timers that do do it. Right. Um, not here. Not here. Of course not. Yeah. But uh, be careful if you are going to be doing. Don't yeah, be stupid. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's, you gotta you gotta think about it like this: is it is a date or two dates worth your job? And you know, when you're overseas, this is not just your job. It's your visa. It's your career. It's your reputation. Um, are you willing to leave the country for this person forever? And yeah. if you say no, then then, then go find home. someone else. <laughs> Find go someone to, else. Go to a different bar. Exactly. So, well, folks, uh, that is 44 minutes and 29 seconds. So let's start the uh, tunage. There's the tunage. It's going. We're going to try to do this every Thursday. Uh, so we'll try to put it out by. I'll do my best to have it out on Saturdays. Uh, Monday, so, probably. Yeah. So keep looking for it. Look, uh, look around and. Uh, uh, please uh, send us your comments, uh, emails, questions, jokes, whatever. Uh, my email address is scott at education.org. Mine is scottdurte at education.org, and that is with a G, E D G Y C A T I O N dot org. Yes. Um, I want to make a quick thank you to education.org for hosting the site or for hosting the podcast. I uh, want to also thank Mark Blasco for the uh, intro and outro music that you are enjoying now. Uh, um, <clears throat> and thank all of you for listening. Thank both of you for listening, or one of you, or whatever. See you next week. Yeah, have a good one. Peace.